Season four of Close Your Ears is brought to you by Nurses at Heart. When choosing your professional nursing staffing service, please choose carefully. Your patient's well-being and your facility good name hang in the balance. For all the right reasons, Nurses at Heart is your right choice. Our website is nursesatheartstaffing.com.
up? What up? What up? What up? What up? Y'all know what it is. Ice pick. Mm. Ice pick. Cousin Rick. Eric Hicks. Whichever name you should choose. This is the Close Your Ears Podcast. 717's number one podcast for promoting businesses, brands, entrepreneurship, and talking that real shit. It's episode 160. I would make some noise for that, but I'm sure the rock and roll is still playing. Yeah, it's still <laughs> but This is episode 160. Yeah, we back at it. We got a special guest. He is no stranger to the platform. I got my good brother back. You heard him on the cream episode in season one. You heard him on the um. What was the oh Uvaldi? What was what was it? T- uh, how you say? Yeah, Uvaldi. Uvaldi. Yeah, Uvaldi. Episode season that was season three. Yeah, cause I was just yeah, season three. Yeah. Not even a year ago. Well, he's back. We got brother Alfred Sloan with us in the building. See why? Salute. What's going on? You know it. You know it. Hey. Couldn't hesitate to come back out. Start the year off right. You know how it go. How we do it? And, and and if you really listening to the show, you you hear his name a lot, especially when it comes to a black fact. You know what I mean? I usually, if I can't come up with a black fact, because I, I go to my inbox. And it's usually <laughs> the Alfred Sloan. And I just scroll up. And now you cuz, I usually find a black fat cuz. See, they think I'll be playing. I'd be like, me and my bro, we talk about, he, I say it on here all the time. Bro passes that information all the time. Not just because it's Black History Month. Not yeah, just because trending. You know, bro, bro, it hit me up. Not I mean, on top of that. Bro, bro, bro be taking, not only is he into the black history shit, bro go, bro go touches the land where the black history happens at. You know what I mean? So That's like, it. That's right. He, he hit me up, video call, whatever we got to do. Like, bro, check this out. So I definitely, you know what I mean? I definitely got to salute you for that, bro. Because you definitely always, any knowledge you receive, you definitely a pass it on, you know what I mean. So, man, listen, shout shout out to Miss Penn, man. I keep I always do that, you know what I mean. Miss Miss Penn was the one that really. Listen, she, we got tell them who Miss Penn is. Tell them who Miss Penn is. Listen, Lena Goodman Penn from back in the day, our sixth grade teacher uh, at Ben Franklin um, Academic Prep School down in Harrisburg. Man, Miss Penn used to put us on between you know Roots Eyes on the Prize. Had us write these these dedicated uh, uh, note notepads and remember talking the, about the stuff we learned. Remember the Teen Creed? Oh, the, bruh. I, 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 I don't. I don't. <laughs> you had to memorize yeah. it, so I had to write that thing yeah. like a hundred times. <laughs> Listen, you get in trouble, you got to write that thing. I'm like, God, come on, Miss Sarah. Definitely but she, Yo, number she we watched the OJ verdict up in, in Miss Penn's class. I'll be telling people. Yeah, big facts. I remember that. I remember that. Everybody was like, Yeah, hey, he's not gonna get off. I was like, uh Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get off, but it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> be a black fact, man. OJ didn't earn the black fact with that one. <laughs> Besides the football <laughs> accolades, cause, cause you know what I mean, and it's crazy. See, I was I was talking about this last episode. Listen, my last guest, Amy T, my home girl, that's my sis. She white though. 
So you know, she know about it, huh? So we, you know, we be having a conversation. So like on on last episode, we bring it up. I'm explaining to her like us as a people, we take so many L's that like that was a win. Like we ain't care yeah. if he was innocent or guilty. It's and like I told her, like we just had the Rodney King beating before that. But just our history with the system, police, and all that as a whole here in America, it was like we ain't care. We ain't care. His blood was on at her. Uh, you are her blood was on his socks and at and on his. Co- we ain't care. Fuck it. We how can, once, once they pour up the racism into the mix, who we gonna believe? It, be, it became a whole different situation, and I think I think that's really the first time in U.S. history where we've really seen that type of a uh, of a of a uh a change right in people's perspective because it was like oh you know what i mean it's the woman that got killed all of a sudden it's a whole different situation right but you look at history you look at all the times where they was like you know something happened to a white woman somebody looked at the white woman wrong or somebody whistled or all these other people that they lost somebody their lives and it's down. like somebody got to go yeah not it's like down. listen i, I, nigga got I don't care down. if it they like listen. I don't care if it happened or didn't happen. They was they was out here, man. I, I read about I read about so many different um, individual massacres. Like one of the one of the goals I have for this year is I want to go down to the uh, the EJI, the um, Equal Justice Initiative, that that monument they got where they got the actual dirt from every single one of the lynching sites around the country, right. and they built like those those hanging columns. Um, I want to slide down there. I want to be able to walk through and see because I I know some of them from the books that I've read, and there's some that are a little bit more. Um, you know, controversial. I'm not going to say memorable because it's, it's, it's all unforgettable. Um, but there's some that are more controversial that, you know, for all intents and purposes, they don't want us to learn out in school. Hmm. And I mean, we got to seek it out. So when that OJ trial, you know, whether he was guilty or innocent, you know, I'm not going to say whether he was rooting for or against, but we, and we I was think kids, that, you know, this is in 95. So we kids, we, we 11 years old. You know what I mean? All we man. know is we just going for the home. T- like, <laughs> and, and we, the whole we country, all. the white people, they saying guilty. We say innocent. It just is what yep. it is. So it's like, I break, I like, cause see, I'll be trying to tell sister, like sometimes she's trying to play the, I don't see race. I'll be like, yo, everybody sees race. Y'all stop, don't, don't do that. I'll be like, don't do that. Nah, we don't you, see race. You, nah, can't, you can't, you, you can't get around it. Then, out here, stop. And even if you, even if you claim not to see race, right at the end of the day, there's, you can't deny that there's systems in place that put other groups at advantages versus another. Right. And even if you, you don't want to make it a black and white thing, you look at, all of the great people that tried to unify, you look at, you know, Fred Hampton, you look at guys like that, where they was like, listen, even, even Malcolm X towards the end of his journey, he was like, listen, one of the greatest disservices I did was keeping that same division. Right. right? He was like, yeah, hey, you guys, you guys really should be able to help. But most of these, these cats that was leaders, they got killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the ones they got, they said, talked about unification, like the rainbow coalition with Fred Hampton and all that, bro. Fred, before that, Fred wasn't really wasn't really getting that type of time from from the the, the governing bodies, right? Man, <laughs> he was he was somebody. But they know once you get to talking about uniting, because that's the that's the scariest thing on the planet is if we come together it. as a people like everybody else do. Like we only impact, we the only ones outcast. <laughs> everybody else support, come together, network. You know what I mean? It's it's just. You know what I mean? Before we get deep into all that, listen, before we get deep into yeah, 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 that, real quick, real quick, real quick, I just got to, I got to do this. 
last I, I gotta go over the polls real quick that we doing people engaging thank y'all for engaging a couple of people that yeah, yeah. a few of y'all but let me pull this up man listen i'm so tired of technology bro yeah i'm struggling bro hold up Man. I might, I might, I might give you one of the black facts off the wall too. You know what I mean? I got, I got the original articles up top when I we was, get to I it. I was going to put you on blast too because <laughs> Amy T was on. You know what I mean? Amy T, Amy T hit hit us with the black fatter. Uh, what's her name? Claudette, uh, Clover. Coven, Claudette Coven. Coven. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. She put me on. I'm like, okay, Amy T. Shout out, Amy. What's good? <laughs> yeah, she definitely she definitely put me on on that one that was one you know what i mean like i say it'd be many of them you be you be hitting me be people i never heard of their story or whatever so but you know when when the white sister hits you with what well, you like oh and that, i ain't like i told her nothing she like oh i want to do the black fact you know what i mean so i'm like all right you got it because she listened to the show and shit and she definitely she had, that's the history bro yeah she she had definitely once in a while she used to hit me up throw me some black facts like yo if you need one i got one for you that's so, good that's good I, I love that i like when i see other people coming out trying to do it you know what i mean because it's if we don't educate each other man it's yeah. at the end of the day it's gonna be lost in a generation yep yep but uh let's see from from uh boom boom, boom. i don't even know if we did this one Last episode, principal, we go. Principal paid on leave for violating PFA multiple times. Should he be fired immediately, or does he deserve paid leave until it plays out? Yeah. Our polls at 50 50. 50% said fired immediately. 50% said due process paid. Yeah. It's an interesting topic. The P- I'm assuming the PFA is is a personal situation, not something with the school, right? Um, I believe the person he had the PFA. I, I don't quote me. I believe she worked for the school district too. I'm not sure. If the, I can't remember if she worked up the high too. I okay. Think, I I ain't sure, but see me. You know, I only in play that shit. So that's what you're doing, principal. We just gonna go ahead and fire you, and let you go ahead. And then maybe if the shit plays out, you win in court, then you could reapply. I think with, with PFAs, it's, it's really sticky because, it you know, there's that kind of gets into a situation where somebody is just like, you know, I, I want to file this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they got proof or evidence or none of that stuff. It's just like, this listen, this person, part, I feel like they're a threat. The, this is the major part, though violating pfa multiple times so if it's just one pfa you know they're the original right because i didn't have i didn't yeah. had a couple you know motherfuckers try to situation pfa on me yeah, a couple times you know what i mean yes so again nah now you violated because it, it can happen all all she got to do is call 911 and you know what i mean make up a story and say she wants the pfa you got to go to pfa court is that 100 percent? and that, that, that ain't so I, and I, I think the challenge with our current system, though, is that, you know, when you when you look at this, the people that really want to uh, that don't really care that it's a piece of paper, they the ones that you really got to be concerned about. So, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron, on the side of caution, because I have seen some domestic situations get out of hand, regardless of paperwork. Right. Right. And the, the professional environment, I think that 
and I don't know if it's just a situation with the school budget, but if, if it's something that's happened on the grounds of the school, then there needs to be other measures put in place to make sure that those individuals don't interact right in any way, shape or form. Yep, yep. Um, until, until the process has been gone through where everything can be uncovered and, and, and decided like a court can rule. But when it's at the end of the day, times, I mean, it's multiple. Yeah. Times, it's, it's, I say you got to go. You, yeah, you've been you've been warned more than once. I don't, I don't really know what to tell you at that point in time. But sorry, bro, hate, hate to tell you. The first the first two times you you get noticed. It's like you know what I mean. It's like when you step outside and you you know you ain't supposed to be out there. You know, mom mom's gonna let you know. Listen, and this is how here's crazy what the my son's mom got the joint and took me to PFA court and took me home. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Where'd she get the PFA? She take me to court and take me home from court. That's wild, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I, I don't. I got nothing for it. <laughs> that's just nigga shit. So that's no. why it's like sometimes, you know what I mean? It happens. It ain't always, you know what I mean? Because she lied on it, Jane, again. Once, once they go to court and shit, you know what I mean? And it comes out, it's more, no hopefully. So she ain't no no better. Yeah. She wasn't supposed to. But once you go to PFA court, you got to come there. So, you know what I mean? The little lie she told, they was, oh, you got to do anger management and shit. But yeah, it, it wasn't no, you know what I mean? So like I said, well, once, once it comes out, how easy it is for them to just be able to, you know what I mean? I mean, you at the end of the day, it's, it's just you know I felt I felt threatened by somebody, whether it was something they did, said, or responded. It, it don't really matter justification wise. I remember I had a uh, one of one of my homies got a uh, he got a job for terroristic threats, right? And no context or nothing, right? He got they came, they took him. He was he was probably like sixteen, seventeen. Um, and the full context of the situation was his mom was getting abused by her boyfriend, so he stepped in. And said something to the, you know, what I mean, to the degree where it could be considered a threat, and basically that's he was the person that ended up getting his reputation damaged for that. Even though like the 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 the, the boyfriend was literally beating on the mom, and the mom's super light skinned so you see everything. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't, you know, I, PFAs stuff like that. I don't um, ROs. I don't really play with none of that stuff. I don't either. And I got no sympathy for women abusers. So, again, that's why I'm like, fine, nah. get out of there. Getting getting that with pay shit is crazy for a district that claim ain't got no money. Well, I mean, you, you look at the, we was talking about this before. You look at where the money's going, right? You look at the trail. There's a, there's money that's there because people ain't paying less taxes, right? The money is available. It's always. They just using it for ways. It's, yeah, like you say, where's gold? The, the main topic of what we gonna get into today. But real quick, let's touch the let's other poll from the episode with um, Amy T. Um, I said, does white people adopting black orphans assure those kids a better chance in life? How you feel about that one? Hmm. I don't think adop- get adopted by any group of people because that you know I mean that takes out the account of your responsibility as a human to be able to, to actually nurture and cultivate somebody. I think that, you know, if, if it's people that have a better system where they understand how to work around, you know, the existing rules, then it could be beneficial. I mean, you know, there's stuff that we was looking at the stuff in Cali that they was doing where they got all these celebrities that was having their kids file, uh, what do you call it? Um, 
emancipate. They was having their kids emancipate when they was like 16, 17 years old. They get more funding. <laughs> I mean, they, they was, for all intents and purposes, these was white parents doing this to white children. But listen, emancipation. I don't know if listen, it's, but to get more funding, listen, it's just paperwork. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? You got if we all got. Can you pay for the lawyers? We got. They can. You know what I mean? They got the money, obviously. Shit. Yeah, but everybody ain't got that, and that's that's not contingent on you being white or black, right? If you don't have the resources or the know how, you ain't gonna make your kids more successful or anything like that. I think the system that um, you know, at least some of the people that I've interacted with across different races, um, they, they understand it better and how to navigate that. And I think that's the area within the black community that we really don't, we don't have a lot of allies in. And so even if it was a black person being adopted by a black family, if you have the same type of network that, you know what I mean? That you always had access to, it's not going to make you a better quality of life. Like it would, if you got adopted by another group that might have, you know what I mean? Better, um, better networking capabilities or have people in the corner they can call on. Yeah, no doubt. And, and like you said, it don't matter for real the color of the adoption, um, child, the family, or whatever. That that like just being adopted don't always guarantee. You know what I mean? You ain't getting adopted into some toxic shit. Because that's what. Yeah. And how this came up, right? Me and Amy was talking, um, and she was like, uh. She would adopt a young black boy. And I'm like, man, I don't think all black kids need to be raised by white people. I mean, just keep it funky with you. You know what I mean? So that's how we got to that question. You know what I mean? So you know how I am. I keep it raw. And that's why that was so dope about last episode. Because, again, I don't know too many platforms where you're going to hear your everyday white lady just sit down and have that type of conversation, especially with a nigga like me. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hard conversation to have, even with, you know what I mean, even with, with your peoples, you know what I mean? Because I remember I was telling my family about, because my wife and I, we wanted, you know, one of the things we wanted to do once we got a little bit more settled in life, once our kids got older and stuff, was we always wanted to adopt. And so, the you know, the question came up was, you know, would you adopt somebody within the family if something happened now, right? Like, say, you know, one of my siblings, you know, got ill or killed or something like right. that, would I adopt my, my, my nieces or nephews, Right. Without a doubt, you know what I mean. I'm I'm the person that's the oldest. I'm in I'm in the, probably the best situation, uh, wisdom wise, right, and age wise to 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 take on that responsibility. But then the other side of it was, what about when we get older? You know, are we looking at just adopting somebody that's of the same nationality, right? Because there's other kids around the world. You know, when that situation in Palestine happened, bro, them them kids and them and them videos and stuff. Nah, bro. Especially there's no way you can tell me that. Especially when you actually know what's going on and understand, so it's like they make it even Thank harder you. when you see that. You know what I mean? Shit like that, definitely. Like, yep. And if you were active parent, bro, there's no way you are gonna watch the stuff going on in, over there and be like, you know, them, them kids gonna be all right. And you got to move on them, and you just don't. Like, but listen, this is what's sad. Cause again, our people, it ain't too many of us that something happens. And our people don't even adopt their nieces and nephews and shit. And I'm speaking from my family experience. Like and, I've seen it. And I, I could I can't imagine my one of my fucking nieces or nephews having to go and in, uh, into the system on some shit. Like, oh man, that shit. When I learned that, I'm like, damn, I understand like what damn. 
y'all kind of fucked up. Like, you know, you know what I mean? I keep it funky. I told my mom that. Like, that's, that's a little fucked up. That's, Again, yeah, and, that's wild. And, you know, sometimes you see some family that try to throw the excuse where they got this many kids. All right, well, y'all got this many motherfucking figure out. sisters. Break them down. Yeah, figure it out. Break them down between us in between the, 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 you know what I mean? So, yeah, man. Man, it's, I, I remember I heard, this is probably years ago, the, the guy was defining responsibility, right? And he was like, you know, the simple context of responsibility is the ability to, ability to respond, right? If you got ability to respond, then you have the responsibility to do that. Not to just ignore it. You can make this situation go for the positive, right? Develop a relationship with that kid. Show him love. Keep them within, you know what I mean, within the borders of the family. Because in, in the system, bro, it's, it's I, I done heard some stories, bro, even from back when. Listen, that's, you, I, I, that's, listen. Man, that shit like this, you might as well say, it's like jail. Remember, I know statistically that. You ain't getting immediate, you ain't getting placed. It ain't like you just, oh, they find you a family. You got to go to a group home. Of a bunch of children that's, that that might got the mentality or the emotional, you know what I mean, background of don't nobody want me. Yeah. And there's a lot of other, you don't know the, you know, the context of what happened in, in the house before the child was placed into that situation. Or, yeah, you know, my, I, I don't care what goes on, man. I, one, one thing that always gets under my skin is people talking crazy to kids or about kids. Like, I'm like, come on, you, you, you done lived your life. Like, even in my job regularly, bro, I, I deal with, you know, cancer patients, right? That's a, that's a different dynamic for families, right? Everybody don't have the capacity emotionally to, to deal with all of the stuff that, that happens in that area, but you can't just abandon, abandon people. And these are just, whether they sick or whether they well is not relevant. These are humans. Like get, figure out what you need to figure out, get educated on it and start working towards it. Plus minus nothing else. Hmm. So check this out. I need your thoughts on this one. This is crazy that this topic comes up because this is live happening now at Central Dolphin East High School. It was Ooh. it was threats of a, a a gun on premises, so they locked the school down. School been locked down since I think about eight fifty four this morning, and it's last I seen at like one fifteen one thirty. It was still on lockdown, so hmm. no one's allowed to move. All, everybody in the classroom can't you you can't leave the classroom can't go to the bathroom. They saying they giving them trash bags. If you gotta piss, you gotta use the bathroom. You gotta use the trash bag. I'm okay with that because I'm like they gotta do their job right. Like how else if, if a threat like that that serious, whatever they feels the protocol would needs to be gunned. If they gotta find that gun or the person with the gun. Central Dolphin East is not it doesn't take them that long to clear out a stadium. Central Dolphin East is nowhere near as big as any of the stadiums minus the, the Senators. So we right, talk, if we being honest. So we talking about six hours. Yeah. It it is not that big to have to take six hours to cover that thing. Even if you gotta let one student go and check bags, get them up out of there. From the time that the school gets locked down, call the parent, had a parent come out. You got to go to the bathroom, all right, go check them, pat them down, go home. Walk them out. Thank you. Okay. At the end of the day, close the school. You know what I mean? If, if safety is really the biggest precaution, which, you know, that's, and we talked about that on the Uvalde thing. 
like at the end of the day, if safety is really the biggest precaution, then th- there's no way you can be safer than prevention. Right. And right. Once the situation happens, everybody's scrambling. You got to figure stuff out. That That's when systems take place. If you don't have a good system in place to do that, then we need we need to come up with something. Our children are our, our, our most expensive asset. And all of us sending all of our kids to school, like that's 40, 50 years worth of income going to one location. There's no reason they shouldn't be safe because I guarantee you that the president's kids and all them other folks, they ain't worried about stuff like that at all. Yeah. If they not, why am I supposed to be doing that? And that's what one of the teachers was saying, the um, teacher that's reporting this, shout out to um, Quincy. Um, what's Quincy's last name? Hankerson? I'll take your word for it. I messed up your last name, sis. But yeah, that's and that's the main thing. She was like, why don't we have metal detectors? You know what I mean? Because again, now that you know, it's always you to help me break it down a little bit to, to see the different lens of it. Because I'm like, you know me, I'm like, hey, if they got to lock them down till they find that gun, I don't care. Piss yourself. That That's better than catching a bullet. But then you, it shouldn't take you six hours. That school is not that big, so if, you know if it's, it is not. If it's, if it's y'all got fifty cops on on the ground, it shouldn't take you that long to, to clear that joint out and and, and search and, and, f- and find what you need to find or figure out if everything is set. Again, that has to do with systems. You know what I mean? At the point where prevention no longer is a possibility, you got to do what you got to do to resolve the situation. Are they even and properly trained for shit like that? That's another question. I'm just saying. I'm saying obviously, systems. Obviously, you're not. If it's taking you all day, you know what I mean? That's, first of all, the, the, the them utilizing plastic bags to dispose of biological waste is unsanitary. It's unhealthy. Right. And it's definitely against the law. They don't even do that in prison. So regardless of whether they got training or not, the way that the way that the teachers have been instructed to respond is unethical. That's the first part, right? That, that ended up, if, if my daughter ever came home to me talking about, she had to, she was in a classroom I had to pee in a plastic bag or a trash can. We gonna have lawsuits from here until Jesus come back because I'm sending all paperwork expeditiously. And right? I'm that's that, crazy. And I'm gonna know that's nigga because all I'm gonna say is, "Well, did you get shot? You good?" <laughs> I'm a nut though. So. <laughs> Yo, but you, you got. I feel you now. Like, yeah, but, I, I wasn't really. I didn't catch that ass, that angle, cause so. Bro, these is these is these is high school girls. These is young ladies that's on their cycles, right? Think about it. And you can't leave the classroom to do the stuff that you're supposed to do to take care of yourself, right? And you on your cycle. These ain't elementary kids no more. Real talk. I just think at this, if nothing else, you know, I hope, I, you know, shout out to all the, all the families out there dealing with the situation. I pray everything gets resolved. Nobody, you know, loses their life or anything like that. But y'all, y'all really need to talk to the school board and get some better uh, training and tactics in place for more preventative and actionable items. Cause that's, that's just not acceptable. My, you know, I promise you, my kid come home talking about they had a piss in the trash can or on the trash bag. We're going to have a whole different conversation. That's the parents' responsibility from here on out. I ain't, you know, I fought the school to one degree, but on the other side of it, parents got to get involved. That's the only way stuff won't change. 
Gotta get involved. You're right about that one for real. And and, and we gotta stop doing what we do best. Just talk shit about it, then then forget about it the next day. You know what I mean? But yeah. I got some smoke for them anyway. Listen, what they're doing, cause they listen. They're they, they where the resource officer at? That that's putting kids. Man, it, that's listen, cause they putting kids on probation for breaking doors, or you know what I mean? Little little childish shit. Pro, you got a pro. Zero tolerance policies. I, I get it, but RSOs RSOs are not. A lot of people think RSOs are really designed to actually enforce laws. They're just the whole purpose of it is literally just to make sure that hell don't really break loose. But when if they life is on the line, like in a firearm situation, what what's the what's the requirement for them? So, bro, at Harrisburg, me, at Harrisburg Christian, can you imagine? We stand at practice. One of the gym doors is locked. And one of us busted, you know, you know how the gym doors being. One of us, you know, just yank it, pop the lock, open that door. Yeah. Can you imagine one of us being on probation for that? Yeah, definitely. No. Easy. Somebody did something with some sprinklers. <laughs> Somebody did something to them sprinklers in that school and didn't get put on probation because you remember that? I remember. Yeah, I remember. No, that's that's crazy. It, again. It's it's not always who you are. It's a lot of times it has to do with who you know, and what type of leverage they can get. Yeah, right. Well, they fuck with the wrong one. Cause we going, we going, we going. I'm gonna make noise now. And if I'm, if I'm, if he was wrong, so what? I'm still making noise. Cause to me, probation is crazy for a kid in honor classes. That tennis practice. End up on probation, especially when it's when it yeah. when the door was paid for. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Probation. No, I Again, that. you know, we we we've seen quite a quite a number of things that should have been, uh, you know, were lawsuit worthy or probation worthy that uh kind of got swept under the rug. But again, the stuff that people wanted to make, you know, what I mean, make bigger than what it was, those were typically the folks who had, you know, what I mean, a little bit more pull. I seen niggas get thrown through a glass window. I seen Minerva statue get broken. And, and, and nah, probation. Nah. for not even fighting all the and y'all paying, y'all paying, y'all didn't paid over two hundred and fifty grand to in hush money, so fights don't get reported. And probation for mine. Nah. Not when all that's going Again, on. it's always who you know. Because at the end of the day, I, I mean, I can tell you about stories around just black history. Yo, what up? Thank you for listening to Close Your Ears Pod. <laughs> These boys are always delivering something real for y'all to get into. It's winter time, and it's the best time to catch up on shows that you just haven't been able to catch up on throughout the year. Check out shambypodden.com for six different shows you might like that I do with other co-hosts also. Y'all know She Gets It Pod already delivers. Now back to my guys. Peace. Education, bro. Dealing with dealing with private schools where they was like, listen, we not, we're not we not we're not teaching Black History Month, but if you want to do it, you know what I mean? You set up the curriculum, you bring people in, keep it under the radar, and whoever wants to come to the class or come to come to learn about it, they can do it. But it's not mandatory, right? Well, they, a lot of situations we can talk about. 
Well, they didn't know was that little boy dad. Don't play that shit. He got a big ass mouth. And we gonna break some light to that shit. I wanna know how many other kids is, is getting pushed through probation. Cause now again, is y'all is that a is that a hustle for y'all? Like just like just like uh the prison shit y'all do? Hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, we didn't see some of that. Then, then we got a coon ass Mr. Green. I forget his first name. It's a black principal up there. He letting this white resource officer do this to these kids, guys. Nah, it's deeper than I don't want to hear. No, he broke the door. That's standard protocol. Get the fuck out of here. Ain't no white kid getting put on probation for breaking the door. We see much. If it was done maliciously, much wilder stuff than that. If it was done maliciously, I get it. Yeah, but you still got to prove intent for that. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you not schools aren't designed to be judge, jury, and executioner, right? You got there's got to be a differentiator, and there got to be parents should be allowed to advocate for their kids. And breaking the door is. You know, unless it unless it physically harms somebody on the other side of the door, right? It's something that can be paid for and replaced, right? right? That's that's the honest truth. For it to go to that extreme again, this you know, I don't know the history or the background about it. And I hollered at my sis, sister Jima. Let me know. She like, bro, that is kind of protocol. And and again, see, I know how the white I know how the how the white man world work though. I know there'd be certain rules, and yeah, certain rules again. Just the, the, you got the complexion for connection. I right, we ain't going. We ain't worried about that. And if it's supposed to be a zero tolerance policy, that's not dependent on who you know, who your network is. Not dependent on your skin tone. You know, what I mean, whether you play sports, right? Whether you got a scholarship coming, it's zero tolerance. It is what it is. So we're going to enforce it. Let's do it all the way across the board. Son, you got to be at a slam dunk, is what he's saying. That tennis shit. Ain't. <laughs> You on the tennis team, little <laughs> nigga. You got you got to dunk that shit. <laughs> yeah. said, I don't know how many people you plan on showing up to this game, <laughs> but it ain't going to be like districts. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break for we, and then we're gonna we're gonna hit the black fact. You got you got us on the black fact, right? Man, listen, I got, I can, I can, I'll let you choose. I got a couple things up here and I, I get to, I just re- read a small section out of it. So you, you right. can choose. Then we're going to jump into the, the meat and potatoes. But before we take this quick break, don't forget y'all, whatever platform you listening on, especially if you're on Spotify, get that Spotify. We need, we need like 50 more Spotify subscribers, but don't forget to subscribe to the show. No matter what platform you're listening on, subscribe, favorite, whatever they call it, follow you know what I mean? Share that joint rate comment. If you're on Spotify, please engage with the Q&A or, or, or participate in the poll. You know, we read them joints off. You know what I mean? But do that. Share all that good shit. Let them know who's the number one podcast in the 717. Let's close your That's ears. It. It's Alfred Sloan, my brother. And we appreciate you already. We be right back, y'all. What's up, listeners? This is Ice Pick. Y'all know how we do on Close Your Ears with our fan base and our listener base. We're all about giving back to the community. If you heard episode 106, we had Pastor James Lyles on. He has a ministry, 10 times better youth ministry. And he's also taking donations for the whole month of February. Donations can be sent through Cash App, to dollar sign D Hope Louse. That's D H O P E 
L-Y-E-S. Now, if you heard the episode, again, this brother has been not only donating his time with mentoring to our community throughout the whole 717 area, but also, um, again, things he do. Um, he set up pantries all across the city and all across 717 area, actually. He fills these pantries up with um, toiletries, eggs, milk, um, you know, things that, that, that the prices be sky rising on with the grocery stores and everything. So, you know, he gives back in more ways than just doing things for the youth as well. He give, He's giving back to the whole community. So we need everyone to help chip in. This is a good brother doing good things. He's really out here in these streets working. And, of course, he ain't funded by uh, uh, nonprofits or governments. He get it all for the muscle. So, again, if you got if you got it in your heart to give, you, you if you give to us, this is another... Uh, Another program that you can give to, again, that's the Youth 10 Times Better Ministries. And donations can be cash app to D Hope Lows. That's D H O P E L Y E S. Thank y'all for listening. Show out. Send that love over there to the ministry. Now back to the show. Let's get it. Yo, we back, we back, we back. It's episode 160. Yes, sir. 168. I mean, also, yeah, make some noise because we still, we still a good pod. Still going. Good pods, top 10 on the 100 charts. We on like four different charts in the top 10. I can't remember and I don't feel like pulling it up. I ain't even been on good pods (laughs) since November. I went to the water park and drowned my phone, man. I ain't even. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's why, you know, it's been crazy getting in touch with me. Again, I don't even know where my phone at now. My little burner phone. I think I left that shit at, at, at Nas's crib and shit, but we back at it, though. Like I said, episode 160, we got the brother Alfred Sloan. Salute, salute. Back again. Back again. We was, we was talking about the black facts. What you what you, uh, what you you got an appetite for? I got got a couple pieces up here we can talk about. I think I want to go Black Wall Street direction. Black Wall Street direction? All right. So let me pull. I got an original. I'm going to pull that out for you. All right. Here we go. Nah, nah. I was going to say, nah, we don't got to do that because that's the meat and potatoes. So Black Wall Street. I was going to say HBCU fact, but let's do. Oh, yeah. we Listen, we we got some of that, too. We So this is, for those who are online, I'm not going to, not going, y'all not going to see this, but this is an original article. Oh, hold, on, um, hold, on, hold on, I gotta pull the camera. Hold on, you know. Yeah, there we go. Gotcha. So this is the original article. This is actually from the Chicago Daily Tribune. Um, it's on June the third, nineteen twenty-one, which is roughly two days after the Black Wall Street massacre. This is an original. All this plastic is not laminate. This is actual plastic, so I can take it out. Um, but specifically, I'm gonna see. Let me see if I can bring it closer. You see, you see where it says how much toss it was supposed to get. And aid, half a million. Yep, and aid. We're supposed to get half a million in aid. Yep, Tulsa to raise half a million to aid Negroes. That was 1921. What's the date on that? On that? June 3rd, 1921. The massacre ended June the 1st, 1921. This is the actual newspaper he's sitting here showing me and reading to me. 
Yeah, this is not a copy. You can you can see it. You know, what I mean, it's the whole joint too. There's, you see how thick that joint is. Yep. It's the whole paper. Um, we can we can talk a ton about Black Black Wall Street, but the biggest part of this message I want y'all to take home is that if you took half a million dollars and you made it our today's money, we should still own forty square blocks, and we only own two blocks in Black Wall Street. We only own two blocks. Two, on and it's all on Greenwood. We on the block that's been renovated, right? I'm gonna use that term, and then we own the older block where the original structures were that were rebuilt. That's it. Outside of that, everything else has been taken over. And you said that's it, it's. You said it's forty blocks. I don't. Forty no forty square blocks. So if you okay. if you stand in the heart of Greenwood, where the where the where the the um, Greenwood Rising Museum is at, mm-hmm. one mile in every direction because it, it's it's a four way intersection. Right. So one mile every direction, forty square blocks is what was originally owned, and it was Greenwood. They only own we only own two blocks of that now. Yep, only two blocks. We, I encourage y'all, if y'all want to get down, look into the history. Listen, Black Wall Street, one of the most important places in my personal journey, right? I met a survivor of that back in back when I was in college in 2002. Um, I met him. His name was Otis, Otis Clark. Um, Otis Clark was the oldest survivor until he passed. I'm still good friends with his, with his granddaughter. Um, but the history around that and the massacre had to... It is a lot that can be kind of talked about in that regard, but I recommend y'all jumping into a couple of the books. Uh, Black Wall Street 100 by Hannibal Johnson, one of my personal favorites that talks about the massacre. It also talks about the 100-year journey after the massacre to try to get, um, you know, reparations, I guess, is, is the term that's used, to basically to, to reclaim what was lost and what was stolen. A, whatever um, you want to call it. Whatever they call yeah, it, well, we, don't, we don't end up getting it even if we do get it. <laughs> yeah, until until the money's allocated. I mean, we well, there's only two survivors left now, so... One, um, um, Mother Fletcher and Mother Randall. Um, Mother Fletcher wrote a book that came out last year um, called Don't Bury, Don't Bury Me With My Tears or something, something like that. I got it over there. I, I, I'll get it and show you. Um, but she wrote that full story. So definitely shout out to Mother Fletcher for that. And she was eight when the massacre happened. So she remembers being hit under the bed. You know what I mean? As the, 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 the white gentleman came through and decided to burn basically most of Greenwood down overnight. Um, by air, by land, and then to shoot people indiscriminately. Um, and then the city of Tulsa continued to cover that up for the vast majority of about 60 to 80 years, making sure nobody else learned the history of it. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces that y'all can find on it, but I have originals, so, you know, <laughs> for me, the history is a lot more relevant. June 3rd, yeah. 1921. Yep. Yep, I've sent that down. That's I, I, I scanned that with um I took it to one of the mu- the places where the museums use to scan a really um to make prints and stuff like that from them. And I sent that article down to the the uh, Justice for Greenwood Initiative, which is the group that's really working on the the lawsuit associated with the with the uh, reparations for the for the, the remaining survivors and their families. Yo. Shout out to this brother right here. Like I say, he passes the knowledge all day. He listen. He inspired the black fact. Probably that that's it had to have been where the where I came up with the idea of the black fact. Like probably subconsciously. 
That's all we talk yeah, about. Yeah, but I mean, we've, I mean? we've been vibing on Black History for years, though, bro. Yeah. This ain't the first time. That's why you know what I mean. So, yeah. real shit, like yo, yeah. Stay tuned. The Black Fact series. I'm telling y'all that content coming. It's coming. It's going. That's it. It's coming. It's and it's needed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. All right, so let's get. Make sure y'all go research them books again for the black fact. Research yeah, them get... books. Research them books. He he told y'all do more research on the Black Wall Street massacre. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean. That's the alley oop for y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you know what I mean. I got my pull my both out, so I can. You know what I mean? You got the camera know. out. So this is Mother Fletcher's book. Don't let them bury my uh, bury my story. She is the oldest living survivor of the Tulsa race massacre. Currently, um, she she's the one that went to Congress. I think it was uh, two years ago. Um, she she testified in Congress and yeah. very touching touching story. Um, this one I bought, and then did you cry? The Black Wall Street One Hundred. Did you cry? Hannibal reading? Johnson. Did you cry reading that one? You drop a tear. I'll be honest with you, bro. It, um, it takes a lot for me to drop a tear, but looking at it from the eyes of somebody that's seven, eight years old, and your whole world being changed upside down like that—if that don't get to you, you're not human. Yeah, if that don't, t- I'm like, yo, just thinking of it, I'm like, yo, you a seven year old, like, and then to know the story, like, it was just, it was genocide for the for the for the. For that block, for that area, for that neighborhood, yep. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that whole neighborhood, and it was it was by air. They stole planes from the um plane because there was African Americans right. that owned their own planes. They were dropping turpentine balls on roofs to burn houses down. Um, I mean, I got, I, bro, I got, I got the, I got the photography, the photography genre where it shows all of the pictures of stuff that actually survived and things that were stolen from right. people's houses, how they was looted, pictures of aerial photos, all that. aftermath, like. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole different ballpark. And then I have, I got a couple other books too, but they're they're more they're more hard, more difficult to find. I chose these ones because everybody should be able to get these from Amazon or something like that. But I got I got ones that go back to 1922 mm. as well. No doubt. All right, so yeah. good, good looking on that one. That's it, episode 160. Make sure y'all check all that out. Check it out. Rewind it. Make sure y'all get the names, all that. But definitely. You know what I mean? You know how we do. We like to make it a little informative. Drop some, cause again, with the with the, they taking it out of the schools. We gotta teach ourselves. You know what I mean? And, and the schools ain't gonna teach it. You know, and you, you only yeah. get a couple teachers like Miss Penn. Hey, hey, you know what I mean? So, yeah, we gotta man, listen. Shout out to Miss Penn, though, man. If it was, it wasn't for that journey. That's crazy. Listen, I'm she, telling you, we need, Aunt, listen, need more teachers like that. Bro, she hit me up recently and said we need the link again and take her out to eat. Real rap. Listen, let's do it. I'm down. Once the weather breaks and we it's a little warmer, we can go go do whatever. Yeah, that's why I say that. I was like, I'm gonna wait till the weather break and holler at everybody. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. So let's get into it, yo. Let's talk about. We gonna talk about just like with the 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 eight half a million they were supposed to get <laughs> for Black Wall Street. Let's talk about. What is it? Twelve billion old that old the HBCUs. Twelve billion, oh, and that's yeah. just what was uh, that's just what was confirmed, right? That we right. we anticipate there's probably quite a lot more, but two billion of that goes to TSU by itself. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's bro. There's a couple other schools that they not just in two the billion though. It was they, it was like three, four schools, four, maybe even five, six, seven that they yeah. owe two billion. Yeah. Like it's and one of the things they were saying, like the type of things that they could do with that type of money. Meanwhile, all these agencies falling seen? off one by one. They just plummeted. Well, it's, it's all it, when you look at it. It was like a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and seven HBCUs that existed at one point in time when we had like the height of, of HBCUs, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what ends up happening from that is attrition, right? They want to starve people out. Like we can't take the assets that y'all put in to be able to build this institution, but if y'all can't afford the accreditation fees, that's one way we gonna come after y'all, right? If y'all not compliant with within state requirements, that's another way we gonna come come after y'all. If y'all got older buildings or you're, or they're not up to code, right? That's another way we gonna come after y'all. So, I, I mean, bro, I've seen, I've been to a bunch of HBCUs over the past five, four or five years, and. I would love to say it's different in different areas, but one thing is unilaterally clear is that all of them are losing land in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, this is funny, right? Because I used to like to play, you know, I used to play the Trump. You know, I still do play the Trump advocate. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, he signed the joint. The dude, you know what I mean? They give the HBCUs, you know, more funding or whatever that was, right? But it's like, if I if they ain't gonna get the money, why why wouldn't I sign it? <laughs> Listen, we gotta get it. We gotta have a reason to be able to pocket some of this money anyway. So we gotta open that door that we, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm like, yo, that Trump is slimy, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, the, the issue, like, and this is, well, this is this is where it gets a little dicey, right? Because it's the federal government that found out that the money they was given wasn't being spent the way that it was supposed to, right? So you, I'm just saying, you you got you got you know Trump saying at the federal level we given <laughs> X number of additional dollars to HBCU specifically, and then at the state level they are like yeah, so we we finna um we finna give some of this to other schools that's not HBCUs. And then we also not giving HBCUs the yeah. same amount of money per student like we supposed to. Pocketing our money, breaking it down more with the white school. And then some cases we get in the smaller cut. Not even that. In most cases. Uh, no, hold on, but this, this could be, again, so if you owe a school $2 billion per se. So again, yeah. this is one school. You owe this one school $2 billion. So that again, that means, again, you breaking that money down with multiple other white schools. Yep. And then they still getting a smaller cut. If they get a cut. Whatever they're required to, the way they're supposed to work is by the states. Whatever, whatever number of students it is that you have that gets state funding everybody's supposed to get the same equal amount based on that larger bucket of money that that is put aside. The problem becomes when you have, you know, state state governments where they get in, they get into it. And they're like, well, listen, we're more than likely going to get this money back. If we put money into these programs that HBCU related. And then they allocate the money that way. The problem becomes when you have situations like this, where these schools is owed 2 billion, Right, they also become targets. 
Now the state wants to get in and the government looking at taking over some of these schools, right? Because they like, you know, there's other situations going on in the background. But for 10 years before this report came out or 20 or 30, whatever, nobody had any desire to be a part of the school or absorb it or change the requirements. Why all of a sudden now? Because we got a $2 billion lawsuit that's sitting. So y'all can take more of the money and use it for other schools in the state. That ain't got nothing to do with the one that originally filed the lawsuit. We only get paid if you get paid, though. <laughs> you know how that from commercials. No choice but to fuck with us. <laughs> you ain't getting no money anyway. <laughs> Bro, I said no fees, no problem. We don't get paid till you get paid. Then we're going to take 60% off the top. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So it what's crazy with this though is it's funny again. Black people, we we learn this information. It's election time. <laughs> this is the, the person you voting for. They they care about this, and but see, it, it don't. I'm talking to a dead horse anyway. Because again, we don't care about HBCUs for real. We act like we do. I can't. Forget. I mean, people I that come from HBCUs as athletes don't even really. I mean, some do, but a large portion of them don't really give back like they could, right? And that's where that's really where you make the most noise. Trying to sit here and advocate against the state government and trying to make sure they do what they're supposed to be doing, even though they ain't been doing it. That's not helping the school, right? In the meantime, you got students in college going to class in trailers. Right, like like it's a construction site. They go into class and trailers. But coming out their pockets, crazy. They got they they sitting there. They a semester or two behind for they they refund check from school. Where I'm from, that's in school suspension. You in the trailer? That's crazy. To be and there. this is where you taking classes at. And we we ain't even talking about like the hardcore programs like your science, you know, your engineering, your your your, your law programs. Right where you have you actually have field time where you got to go out and actually physically do stuff, bro. How are you supposed to be equipped to be able to go and compete with people coming out of institutions that have funding, right? Yeah. Where you done took labs, you done you done dissected you know cadavers or 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 whatever, and the school sitting here holding up your money from last semester or to try to float stuff in between. Or again, I heard Lincoln is um, Lincoln here. Is is losing their credentials for the nursing program? Yeah, a lot of the accreditation stuff, bro. When it, when you get below a certain number of students, it's really hard to keep up with the accreditation. It's really hard. We as a people, we we this is our fault though, kinda. We failed the HBCUs. We we wasn't. It was it was really no. We ain't put the pressure on the the government to do the right thing because we really wasn't going to them. Well, I mean, integration. Some of us is, is we got to take account of because, again, it's too many of us. Like, again, now I can't front, you know, for the for the PA state, you know, Lincoln, Cheney, you know what I mean? I know a few people that went to them joints, you know what I mean? Some of the local HBCUs. 
Yeah, well, bro, you, you got to realize those were the preeminent institutions when our grandparents was coming up, like the cusp on, on our parent generation. Those was, Cheney was one of the only schools that you as a black person could get a teaching degree at. Like, that's huge. Yeah, you can't, like, my grandmother went to Cheney. She graduated from Cheney. I got nothing but love for Cheney. I looked at the history, you know what I mean? Back before it became Cheney, when it was like the, the Institute for Normalized or something like that, the Colored Institute for Normalized. I, f- I forget the exact name, but before it became Cheney University, that was all designed specifically to be successful. Cheney, Lincoln, um, going down a little bit further south, going into Howard, all these other, all these HBCUs, bro, they were, they were pretty much self-funded, right? And all of the cream of the crop, like, I mean, you know, we, we talked about some of the stuff I got going on next week. So I'll leave, I'll leave that off this episode, but, um, you know, these are places where these folks went and you had the cream of the crop from all different HBCUs around that came and taught at these places, right? My, my aunt V, she, she worked at um, Freedman's Hospital, which is one of the only active practicing hospitals that black doctors could work at and actually see patients. You go get a medical degree and they like, you can't see white people. We're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And then keep in mind, this is the same generation where most of us didn't have health insurance. Right. So we were and, and for post to post to, uh, you know, uh, uh, desegregation or before desegregation, people were using vet- veterinary um, services for regular treatments. Taking medicines designed for animals because they couldn't get care no other way. Listen, we spell we, we we still supposed to go to the vet because we still three fifths of a man. Nigga, three fifths of a man is the, is the closest thing to an animal. <laughs> I ain't got no animals, and I'm going to the regular facility at this point in time. <laughs> but I mean, you you think about it, brother, and 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 this is the whole design within two generations. If if you can get to the point where people are not seeing the value in these schools no more they're going to cease to exist. That's why we don't have, we don't have 107 HBCUs that exist no more. Right. Most people can probably name 20, 30 and max. And I'm being, being nice from 107. Well, that's like 80% gone. And and so what you think? Cause at first I wasn't mad at Dion for leaving. What you think about Dion? I ain't going to say I'm mad at him. My thing be we just put too much pressure on like a celebrity to do like, you know, do the work we as a people supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? I I think I think I understand because there were there were bigger systemic issues that Dion was combating before he left there. Right. He talked about if you go back and you look at a lot of his earlier interviews when he was first in the program, he was talking a lot about some of the stuff we were talking about with funding where people weren't getting their tax returns or not tax returns, their um refunds. their uh their refunds, their school refunds. Right? I know people that personally went to JSU and go back and actually give back. I also know a few people that are entrepreneurs that have, you know, multi million dollar portfolios that literally were given they like they were when they had the situation with the calves, when the calf wasn't really working to the hours that it's supposed to because of funding, they was providing students discounted pizza, like substantially discounted pizza hold to on, be hold able on, to help offset that. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You said the calf wasn't operating the cafeteria. 
Oh, see, listen, you gonna force y'all forcing kids to do crime? Cause what the? I don't know. Listen, when I went to school, you had the meal plan. You could eat three times a day. Three times a day. Yep. Now, and, and then you had some little money that was left flex, for your little, you know, I mean, your flex bucks. months. The shit they called the flex money, so you could go to Chick Fil A, yep. Burger King, whatever's on campus, the little pizza spot. But that yep. that was only they gave you probably about four. I probably had like forty, maybe I might have had a hundred a month of that. Yeah. If the cafeteria wasn't working, cause <laughs> guys, hold up, hold on. We on savage time, cause like, <laughs> and, and I was listen, they, they were. But when you look at the news, the news was talking about somebody robbed Dion for his um <laughs> for his jewelry and stuff out of his office, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, nigga. Y'all, y'all not gonna say the whole background story though. Y'all not gonna talk about the challenges y'all having with giving people back their money so they that they can be be using that to float themselves. Oh, Dion said, I gotta get the fuck up out. <laughs> I'm just, I, I can't blame him when he walks into a burning building. He's supposed to come out not smelling like smoke. And y'all y'all want him to take the, take the brunt for that. Translation, like I, Jackson State is hood, nigga. Listen, Jackson State is a great school, so I, I just, I want to be 100% with y'all. Well, that's what a lot got of places. Into. You put that situation where niggas can't eat. Yeah, they, they, they're the the. And it's not Jackson State, I don't think. I think it more so has to do with the way that the state is allocating resources than Jackson State, right? And I, I don't, I don't oh, know right, too right. much so about that's the moral of the, the story the, 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 that we're talking about. Yeah, anyway. it's, it's a bigger picture, right? It, it, all of this has to do with starving them out. Because I mean, when you look at it, right? If, if let's say hypothetically you don't have to build a new building, you can go in and renovate. It's always going to be cheaper for you, right? The moment that that becomes where the state comes in, is like, listen, we taking over. TSU is dealing with it right now. Tennessee State. If they if the state comes in and they take over all of them buildings and that lawsuit and all of the other stuff, the history having you know 40, 40 Olympians that that uh, that came through that program, the whole history of the Tiger Bells, you know Wilma Rudolph, all of that. If the state comes in and takes that, who owns that history now? They, they take over the school. Who owns the history? They do. That means they can leverage it for brand endorsements, right? All this NIL money that everybody's talking about. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's not the whole story. The likenesses of the players, the history, all of that stuff, and they can turn around and say, look, we're going to partner with, e-, as an example, we're going to partner with e- EA Sports. We want them to come out with an HBCU edition where you can play as your favorite African-American athlete of all time in these three sports, right? They get access to their likeness. They get access to their recognition for the school, right? And they draw all this awareness all of a sudden. Plus, we're not even talking about the $2 billion lawsuit. That's just money that goes back into the pot, right? And that's just one school. It's deeper than that. It's always deeper. Follow the money. Follow the money. Chris Tucker said. Follow the money. The money don't lie. Chris Tucker said that one. What they said that where, where you where you where you where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. Yeah. Follow the money. So listen, this is. It don't lie. This was was crazy. So one of the drinks you sent me about the Black Press archives, right? And here you got mm-hmm. you you got some of them joints. So 
what they what they saying they about to what they about to digitize it they saying how universities about to take all the old collect all the old archives and digitize it yep because the, the issue we have a lot now is that we don't really focus on learning our history so um they only make so many number of museums you know what i mean in, in per lifetime so a lot of these institutions they have materials that were donated or, or gifted or whatever you want to call it as part of their archives right they got to pay to store that stuff. They got to pay for it to be upkept so they don't, it doesn't degrade. So a lot of them are moving things over to digital platforms so that you don't physically have to be at the school right now. You can start accessing it and then they can use that to leverage. Cause a lot of them got, I mean, I think Howard, Howard is the oldest HBCU in, in the country. Right. I think if I remember correctly, I think Cheney's like number two. I think Cheney's number two as far as age. Um, you know, they the have access one to, was 1867, I think. The 65, I think, was, um, I think it was 65 for, for, Howard, for Howard, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, so they, they have, I mean, you, you got, you look back in that generation, you got like Booker T. Washington, right? You got, they have, I know, I know for a fact they have some archives associated with him, even signatures. You know, you got, um, William Montague Cobb, you got, you know, Charles Drew, you have all these other people that went into like arts and entertainment, um, other people that were in different forms of engineering, right, that came through different programs. And a lot of these bright minds went back to the HBCUs to teach other people. Right. So imagine you going into you going into um, college, right, and, and you doing your graduate studies and you learn about the, the person that wrote how it is that you're going to be able to get through medical school. Right, they they wrote the whole the whole criteria, <laughs> and you you learning from them, right? It ain't rocket science. They trying to go back and get access to that stuff. See if they whatever they can patent, like schools is pulling now, whatever they can patent or trademark or try to get some sort of a monetary value out of, that's going to bring revenue back to the school. That's outside of um, the state government or donors or any of that stuff. Up. states come in and take over programs they got access to all of them archives which mean they can take whatever and sell it oh, wipe it away they no longer own it they used to have it sell it and remove it off of the, the digitized arch archive and wherever whoever bought it now is their responsibility that's part of the reason why i got i got the original articles that i got you can't erase them this is 100 percent original <laughs> you can try to retell the story on whatever website you want, but when you go and you pull one of these down and you look at that date, that's the history right there. Not somebody's opinion on the other side. That's crazy. He got y'all can't see it. I'm just looking. He got he got how many articles? What that them is the whole papers? These is uh these is the mainly the cover pages, specifically oh. the part that I wanted. But, um, this first one, I forgot. I'll tell you what they are. Hold on. That's the, uh, is that the piece of the, of the same one you just showed me? That's just a different individual no. page. Oh, that's them is all individual. No, nah, these are all these are all different years. So okay. this one is from 1904. This is the first um, African American. They called him druggist, but the first black pharmacist. He opens his his drugstore in Atlanta. In 1904. That's 1904. Yep. And then this one here is the. Uh, this is the original one for the Houston race massacre. So this is from 1917. This is August 24th, 1917. You said Houston race um, massacre. This, 
Yeah, this is the Houston, the Houston massacre. Yep. Okay. Never heard um, of that. Bro, that that yeah, we we'll, we'll talk about that one too. But this is when this is when basically there was a a, a troop of African American soldiers that were stationed in Houston, and they were um there was a a, a race riot that kind of broke out, and the soldiers decided that they was just going to do what they needed to do to make sure that they was good, and a few other things that were not necessarily approved by the federal government right because you're you're their property when you have when you sign that contract so this is actually the order where it says negro troops order withdrawn wound up all 30 for texas murders so the people that they murdered and then okay i do remember this story then they executed them they executed all of them this is from from what i what i had looked at this is one of the largest um executions of u.s military soldiers on u.s soil I never remember that story. I was down. It's uh, the, I went down to the um, the they have a, a landmark sign that's down there in Houston. Um, it's called Camp Logan. So if you want to look it up, there's a good movie on Amazon called The Twenty Fourth. Um, it's with uh, the dude that plays Andre from Empire. He's the one of the main characters in that John. The light skinned dude that be singing. Rotimi. Uh, Rotimi. Yeah, no, not Rotimi. No, no. Um, hey, that's what I remember Andre. He was kind of tall, the dude that had like the mental issue, whatever, on Empire. The, um, he was light skinned though. That, I'm thinking about power. Empire, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think of power, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Empire. He, um, he's the he's the main star in that John. And then the other, the other one is on the New Rochelle massacre. That's uh, Booker T. Washington was uh, speaking about the New Rochelle massacres and how that actually was was came about. And the last one over there is about. Um, that's the secret society of Negro assassins from hold on, let me see what year that is. Uh, 1886. 1886. This nigga got a newspaper yeah. from 1886 on the wall. Yeah, it's, it's up there. But I got, I mean, these are stuff I keep up from my family. I want. No, for real, bro. Like, that's like you a collector on top of, on top of not just that, like you actually been to some of these places, so it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Ain't it to, to, like that's that's historic for you? Like you again? That's that's being in in touch with history on a whole different level. So I definitely yeah. to make some noise for that. Like I said, you you got plenty of books. You like again? You tell me, yo, get grab this one. I know you got a little a little library. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. library. Sorry. That's the, listen, that's the that's the stuff I leave I leave behind for my kids, right? Because the goal of it is is they they have their own dedicated collection as part of the family archive. If whatever they want to do with it, whether they want to you know license it out or lease it or whatever, I'm fine with that. I just really want I want the history for them so they can really understand. Yo, this is you got to buy into this. This is serious. Let me ask you this: What's up, bro? Hmm? Who's your favorite figure? Black history, or do, mm. you, or do you need a top five? Your, your most influential, or who you feel are, me, are most important? I got I, I have a couple different people, but they're across different genres, right? And that's there's a reason for that, right? Because you, as you know, I'm, I'm well rounded, so I would say my top five in no particular order. But again, these are if, if I could have met these people and, and had time with them. Um, one would be Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Okay. Right. He, 
and that kind of goes without without explaining, right? The second person is uh, a gentleman by the name of Monroe Work. Um, he's Monroe a Mon- Work. Work. Yeah, Monroe Work. Monroe Nathan Work. Um, he's the person that was responsible for uh, organizing and chronicalizing all of the African American history, and he's the guy that mainly published the uh, um, the Negro Yearbook. Um, so I wanted, he's somebody that I've always wanted to get an idea of how he figured out how to do this stuff, right? Because he, he's getting articles from all over the country about everything positive or negative as far as the black experience. And he was handpicked by Booker T. Washington. So there, in my mind, there's like a, there's a multi-generational like mentorship relationship that existed. He's like almost the first person that started documenting our history for real then. Like one of the first people. Yeah, he, he has... The, the books that the Tuskegee Institute used to put out were every two years. They did that for like 50 some years. Um, the next person I would say, so Monroe worked, the third person is, is Charles Drew, right? And that's, that's mainly because of his contribution medically. No one else has ever done anything to that degree that directly impacts my life as a person because he's the first black scientist I ever studied. Shout out to my mom and dad for making that, you know what I mean? Introducing me to him because I didn't know nothing about it. I was like seven, eight years old when I learned about him. Um, he had him on the wall at Ben Franklin. I know, but this was this was even before Ben Franklin, bro. This was back when I this was back when before I went to Lincoln when I was at Lincoln. They introduced me to him talking about for Black History Month. My, I think my first project at Ben Franklin, I think I did Mahalia Jackson because I wanted my my grandmother used to sing her songs all the time. But um, speaking of which, I got to do a woman. All right, um, you, and you you know Mag, Mag, Magdalena Walker, so you know Maggie. You know, that's the reason why the, all the stuff she did in, in banking, right? Gotta have her. She She's definitely one of my top five. And then to close it out, the biggest person, and this is just for specifically for age impact, I would have liked to have met Fred Hampton, mm. right? As an individual, I think his mentality at his age was so far above many other people 10, 10 years with his senior. He was like the two right. block of him. He he did his, and I, I've I've read all about him. I want to hopefully I'll, I'll be able to go out and see the the home because I think they they preserved it recently. Somebody bought it and is trying to preserve it for history, historic sake. Um, but he just at his age to die as young as he did and do as much as he had done. And he was that's most, big for me. And he was the most dangerous because again he was uniting the streets again like what the black panthers was doing you know what i mean and he, yeah he became one of the, again that young to, to to jump into the joint and then again you like one of the best speakers we ever had you know what i mean you figure him malcolm x martin luther king you know a couple yep. more but he you know and they they <laughs> They didn't live life, and you know, like Malcolm X went to then hustled and went to jail first, and you know, you did all this at like he came right out twenty one, like yeah. Fred went all in from early. He basically came out of high school and was like, "This is what I'm gonna do till I die." And to have that level of focus and be able to make that big of an impact at that age, especially for the fact that he wasn't he he didn't come from money, he wasn't no celebrity, right? This is homegrown. I ain't gonna call it success. This is a homegrown person, right? Those those five people, in my opinion, if I could sit down in a room and nothing against Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, right? And and their journeys, I I, I love and respect the, the gentlemen that, that they are and what it was that they were able to accomplish. But 
in my eyes, Fred was always on business from gate. Right. He didn't want a whole lot of foolishness that he was getting involved in. It was always, this is what we got to be about. And a lot of the services that, you know, we have are the direct influence as a result of, you know, the organization that he managed. You look at the after school program, you look at, you know, WIC, you look at all of this stuff that they were doing in addition to the fact that now they combating, um, you know, the, the, the outside forces. And they was, they was again with you. I'll break it down. What you saying is they was, more on unifying, whereas with yeah. Malcolm X and then his his you know the nation or however they rode and then Martin Luther King and again, Autumn wasn't yeah. getting along. Whether it was uh not all totally the way they should, maybe some yeah. of them was uniting together, but it still was bickering between them and all that. So you know what I mean for some of them. So I, I get what you're saying with that. Definitely that like. That's a nice thing. Yeah, I mean, on, on personal basis, I, I think everybody that I talked about, except for maybe Monroe Work and maybe Maggie Walker, if, if for those who haven't who haven't looked into her, you know, the vast majority of them people should know, whether you're black or white, right, or, or whatever race. You should you should have heard their names by now. But these are I, I I judge my top five based on people that I feel I draw a semblance from, right? That could help. You know what I mean? Not that other people were less important, but. If I could sit down in a room with only these five people, who would they be? No doubt, yeah. Well, listen, thank you for your time, bro. Always coming through, always supporting. 100%. 100%. Thanks for having me again. Listen, this was a good one. Listen, Black History Month, man. We gonna, I don't know what I'm going to title this one. This one's going to be crazy, but <laughs> definitely dropped the Jews. We definitely talked on, you know, we, we kept it all black on this joint. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, I, you know, you, you got to see some, there's a little, little, little few pieces of the history that we got at the house, but, man, we got, this one. we got, um, go ahead and answer some moments. Okay, very nice. Go ahead. Go ahead. Close the door. Thank you. Um, there's there's a lot of things that we got to do better as individuals, right, that can impact the larger trajectory of where we are as a people in 20 years. And I honestly believe that if we don't own our own history, we're not going to be able to have our history in, in the near future. You know, the digitization of, of specific materials is one way to capture it, you know, but websites are popping up every few minutes, every few seconds for real right, that change the narrative and with AI and all these other pieces that are coming into play, you know, it, it doesn't take much to change the narrative from what it originally was. Especially so we, we got to be more responsible and more judicial and making sure that the history is taught, you know, taught, caught, and most importantly, it doesn't die with us, right? All this stuff I, I don't know, I've accumulated, these articles, these books, it's not for me. I've read the vast majority of them. I don't need to own them. I've seen it. I remember it. But my children don't know the history like that. And I want them to go back and read daddy's notes and, and you know, Dr. So-and-so's book mm-hmm. when they get old enough. You know what I mean? That's what I want. And I want when we when we donate it or we or we have people, you know, utilize some of the collection. I want them to know, like, you, you had a particular vision in mind. It wasn't just about custom sneakers, right? It wasn't just about only this type of book or these photos or these newspapers. It was a full understanding and concept of what it meant to be an African-American from this period to this period, right? Captured in all of the forms that we really made relevant from music, art, entertainment, 
science, you know, in engineering, mathematics, every whatever it was of life, every aspect. We was the best. <laughs> Real shit, though. But listen, we know you're going to be back soon because, you know what I mean? You got oh, yeah. Some things that you got to handle and then you're going to get back to it. So. Gosh, you gosh, you definitely. But always, thank you, bro. Listen, y'all like this episode. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Share it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, definitely share it. This was a good one for since everybody's on the Black History trend. You know what I mean? This is this was a, a a nice one for y'all for Black History Month since it's since it's trending in February. Y'all know them Black History, them Black facts is they gonna come regardless. But I thank y'all for listening, bro. Be safe. We going. Listen to always, you too. I gotta figure out what we gonna do. Put for the poll and the Q and A on this one. This one was a little. Oh, ask. Let's see. Uh, let's do something around the HBCUs, right? Let's look at. Let's look at how many people have actually. Let's do twofold. Let's see. Have you ever given any resources to HBCUs? Right. Wow. Could be monetary. Could be time. Could be whatever. All right. That'd be poll one, and then poll two is going to be. What have you done? to teach others about HBCUs. Let's leave it open, right? Let's let, let's let, let some people, yeah, let some people comment. What, what have you done specifically to educate others about HBCUs? Or even yourself. Or even yourself. My man. Listen, episode 160, told y'all we promoting businesses, brands, entrepreneurship, and talking that real shit. You know what I mean? Just close your ears. 717's number one podcast. We up out of here. Y'all be safe. Peace. Peace.